joining me. I am your host today. Um, my name is Tolu. Episode 11, Random Black Person in Canada. On today's episode, we're going to be discussing um, Black Survival. And it's a really, really difficult, difficult week, um, especially for those who are Nigerian, for those who are African, and also live in Canada. I want to start this episode talking about um, a recent court case that went all the way to court, uh, a recent court case around uh, a black man who was killed. So July 24, uh, 2016, a gentleman, Abdi Rahman Abdi, um, who was Somalian, who was a Somali immigrant, he had just come to, uh, he'd been working in Canada for a little while. And on the 24th, he was essentially uh, a victim of police brutality. And so he was in Hintonburg, Ottawa, uh, 37 years old at the time. So the way the story goes was he, had been at this, I believe it was, uh, oh, I can't remember the name of this, Bridgehead. I believe that's the name of the coffee shop. Is it a Bridgehead or some other type of coffee shop? But he had been there and he was allegedly groping women there and it was making them feel uncomfortable. So police was called in, of course, to handle the situation. And then when the police came, as you can imagine, if you're a black person, how does that go? Um, excessive use of force, excessive everything. Um, so the story goes, when the police came, he ran uh, a couple of blocks away. Two police officers chased him down. And there are videos, of course, of um, what happened next. The police officer repeatedly punched um, Abdi Rahman Abdi. And he essentially was bleeding there. And by the time he got to hospital, he died. Um, then, of course, due to outcry in 2016 at the time, um, there was a special investigations unit that was that looked into the case for him specifically. And they found that essentially there was enough evidence that he had used too much force. He was um, essentially dangerous and he was charged to court. So this is on the police side of things and he was charged to court like every regular person, which you would imagine is progress, right? Like you would imagine that there is some progress if black people can now start going to court for being killed or shot or whatever, like, you know what I mean? But of course, there's no, there were no guns involved in Canada, thankfully. Now, the part that gets dark is where um, October 20, 2020, uh, Constable Montesin, I hope I said that correctly, but um, he was found not guilty of, of all charges, uh, manslaughter, and I can't remember the others. And the reason, or at least the judge ruled that essentially he didn't find or he wasn't convinced that there was unreasonable use of force. I believe his defense also for the police officer um, said something about he had underlying health issues, which were the reasons why he died. So had he not have, had he not had, um, had like, heart-related issues or something in his arteries or what have you, he would have survived. There's protests even going on right now as we speak uh, downtown Ottawa uh, around this. There's been protests um, for a while since the um, October 2020 verdict. And it bothers me that we are now in a situation where you have to be worried about underlying health issues to justify excessive use of force. And I know obviously part of it is like obviously going to court or whatever is progress in some way, shape or form. But it is sufficiently sufficiently clear that it's not enough. Like there's, as long as it's black people, people just need to die before there's some level of progress. People can't just do things and just survive. It is worrisome. 
I'd say, where you can't just have justice at all. Um, I do also want to update people and say, um, obviously, his family, the Abdi family, has sued the, the city of Ottawa for $1.5 million separately. So um, we'll see how that goes. But it's just the whole Black Lives Matter situation all over again, where we now have to start fighting all over again for basics. Like just the bare basics. So that is the Canada Front, October 2020. At least we went to court, but unfortunately, nothing has come of that. So that's a four-year court case that's done nothing. Absolutely nothing. No progress on that. No justice. And if I was at the process line, I would also say no peace. But that's one. On the other side, on the flip side of my own identity, as a Nigerian, NSARS. And for those who are joining it because they don't know what has happened, um, I know some of my friends were still recently asking me what's going on and trying to understand. I've had co-workers who were curious uh, to the NSAR situation. They'd seen something on TV. I had one of my previous managers send me a text. Hey, I, I just heard of it. I hope you're doing well. Let me give you some background just real quick. Um, so SARS is a uh, special uh, unit in the police force in Nigeria. Uh, it is the Special Anti-Robbery Squad. It was set up in 1992, and the idea behind them was they would have the freedom to essentially make quick decisions. They'd have the freedom to um, be able to stop robberies ASAP when you find them. Um, so as a result, they, they were almost sort of pseudo above the law, and in a way, they could move quickly. They could move without like due process because they wanted to expedite the um the ability to quickly catch criminals. Now, what happens in an environment like Nigeria where you give people the opportunity to be above the law, well, then they become the law. So as a result, they could just carry out shootings, they could kill people, they could do anything and nothing would happen. As so as, as, it, as it became, at some point, people just started saying, well, I will shoot you now and quite frankly, there's nothing you can do about it. Like, I will kill you and nothing will happen. That became a popular slogan. I remember when I went to Nigeria in 2015, uh, particularly, and my dad was asking me to drive us home because he was really, really tired. And I remember telling him, sir, I, I don't think this is a good idea because um, if the police stop us, I don't want to speak. And my dad was like, okay, well, when you're driving door, I'm coming with you. Shabi is two of us. Um, I'll don't worry. I'll do the talking. And, Low-key, obviously, as I think about it now, five years later, it's, it gives you a sense of how we've accommodated the suffering of what the police does, where I have to consciously think about, I don't want to speak if police should stop me. Because one, obviously, by the time they see me or hear me, like they know that I'm not, I'm not in Nigeria. And if you hear my accent, then clearly these ones have found new meat. Like, um, they are going to find someone to pay. Like, who is going to pay? So that's the SARS unit. And I remember, in fact, we did get stopped. And the entire time, I had to just not speak. I just, like, literally, asked, they just started asking questions. I just looked at my dad. I said, Mbo, please help me out because I'm not going to speak. Um, I, I'm in trouble. Like, if my father is not with me, I'm in trouble. I am finished because who am I going to call? I'm going to probably be saying English and grammar. And then this will be like, dog, you are, you are in Nigeria. Like, anything you think you are, that's happening in Canada you're in Nigeria now. And that is frustrating, infinitely. So let's bring it back to modern day 2020. Um, how did the protests um, erupt, essentially? So obviously, keep in mind, there's been the backdrop of COVID. Um, everyone's been home. Um, you disrupted businesses. You disrupted daily life. 
how many people in Nigeria can go a week without being able to work? Not that many. Now, there are some of us who are average enough that, you know, you can survive a week, a month or two in Nigeria without going to work or having to do anything. But for the most part, people need their daily living. They need to be able to get money. They need to be able to get cash the day of. So COVID has been happening since, I believe, March now. It's been such a long 2020. October the 8th, I believe there was a man in Delta State who was recorded where the police um, essentially forcefully, I believe either he was shot or they just forcefully took his car and then they drove off as the police officers. And so this video um, was widespread. And I believe around that time too, um, then there was a protest organized in Lagos to stop SARS. And so it became a valid movement because a bunch of people came out. I believe it was um, Files and Runtown who both wanted to set up this um, protest peacefully. And they expected maybe 50 people, I believe, or however many. They just expected a small number. And they were overwhelmed by the response. And I believe because it traveled so well on Twitter and it was so well recognized, like, this is a known problem. Excuse me. If you are in Nigeria, if you are outside Nigeria, you know this. It is not a thing where you have to be like, what is that? Like, we all know that the police is going to harass you at any given point. It's only a matter of time. We all know this. If they're going to take you to an ATM to get, get, get cash out of you, they're going to ask for cash on you on the spot. Everybody knew this already. So it's a known thing. It's a fact. So protest started, and I believe after a while, it became a five for five um, demand situation. And sooner or later, governors got involved. And it was a sight to see because even from here, we could witness it happening live. And for a lot of us, we were happy, especially those abroad, that people had gotten serious about scrapping the police. So, October the 11th, it was announced that SARS would be scrapped. Now, I want to pause here again. October the 11th, SARS would be scrapped. And still, it wasn't enough. And you'd wonder, why would scrapping it not be enough? Well, let's again pause here. SARS has been scrapped four times, four separate occasions. It's been scrapped in 2019, it's been scrapped in 2018, it's been scrapped in 2016, and now again in 2020. And so as a result, clearly that's not enough. We're not doing that. So the protest continued. Two days later, the Inspector General of Police announced that now that SARS has been scrapped, we are going to create a new police unit called SWAT, Special Weapons and Tactics Unit, which I guess is meant to mimic what is in the United States. But you see, as people say from Nigeria, we're in disguise. That is to say, if you think we are mad, you think you can show, you, can, you think you are going to hide one thing in another. Like, how are you going to disguise the madness? Like, and at some point, SWAT even became um, another name for um, stars, essentially. Sars with another name. That's, that was then the moniker. So, October 13th is not enough. We protest, we continue. And I remember um, there were uh, a bunch of links on Twitter, and I remember promoting it myself. Um, Flutter Wave at the time, and then another one with Feminist Coalition, which um, I remember donating to, and I, and I vehemently prom- like promoted for people to donate to this thing because I felt like it was going far. And one of the things I actually liked about it, obviously while we're on that spot, is that 
you could see the effects and where the money was going. The accountability was spectacular. I had never seen anything like it in my lifetime of being a Nigerian, where a group of Nigerians came together, put money together, and at no point did I feel that someone was going to take it. Unbelievable. But again, side note. So, October 20, 2020. Same day that Abdurrahman situation had happened where the police officer was declared not guilty. There was a live stream. Actually, let me, let me, let me, let me pause before I get to the live stream. The governor of Lagos State, Babajide Sangolu, announced that there would be a statewide, statewide curfew and that everyone was required to be home and that security was um, going to try to be restored in the state because essentially bad elements had taken over the NSARS protests and now they needed to essentially, you know, remove it. Now, the entire time, throughout the process of NSARS, throughout the country, throughout everywhere, Sure, there had been violence in some places, and I and I had seen some of that in videos on Twitter, um, videos on Instagram here and there. There had been a little bit of violence. We'd seen thugs from the states. We had seen um, thugs who were going against protesters. At no point had we seen protesters actively be violent. We had seen others be violent against protesters the entire time. We had seen people just be violent in general, but at no point had any NSARS protest itself turn violent. And so when we get to the October 2020 situation at the Lekki Tollgate, which is now being dubbed the Lekki Massacre, throughout the process from the third, from I believe the 8th all the way to the 20th, Lekki Tollgate was essentially seen as the shining example because it's had a lot of coverage. It was a prominent location it was an affluent location because it was close to Lekki Phase 1, which is where a lot of rich people live. It's close to Oriental. It's close to, um, I believe it's uh, ShopRite. I don't know if they've changed the name now, but the Palms Shopping Mall. So it was an affluent area. And as such, it was, exp- it was expressly clear that there was no violence there at all. My brothers had been there. My friends had been there. I'd seen family members and like even family friends go there. Celebrities had gone there. I believe Uche Jumbo had even gone to one of those um, protests at the Tollgate. So we all know for sure that there was no violence at that location. Till tomorrow, I will not understand why in order to restore security in the state, the military had to pick Lekki Tollgate to be at first. Now, whatever happened after, we'll get to in a second, but I still can't understand the thought process going in. Why was that the first location to attack, to attack essentially? And obviously there's conspiracies that essentially um, Tinubu, who is the godfather of Lagos, had, obviously the Togate was his, essentially his moneymaker. And so to show force, you bring my money back. And if these people are not going to leave the way, well, we have to do what is necessary. The army came in and shot unarmed protesters. And the scariest part of it, there were over a hundred 
and I believe 50,000 people tuned in to an Instagram Live by DJ Switch, who, by the way, deserves a, a medal for honor and bravery whenever this is over. There was a live stream when we could hear everybody in the background singing the national anthem, raising flags. Of course, it was dark. And even to the darkness, the lights were turned out. Again, if you know Lekki Phase 1 or Lekki Tollgate area, Lekki Phase 1 can, may not have light, but for the love of God, Lekki Tollgate will always have light. That one is never in doubt. If you've been to Lekki, you know this for sure. Lekki Tollgate never does not have light. Never. It is just not. It doesn't happen. Never. But for some reason, on this particular day, the lights were out. And obviously, the army was now shooting at people. And obviously, to add to it, we saw this live. It is a difficult thing to witness. And even on this live, people are trying to take bullets out of um, some of their, you know, fellow protesters. And men, yeah. I don't think we'll ever see what we saw that day. And then there are other issues that are still happening across Africa, right? There's the situation going on in Congo. Um, there's an election in Ivory Coast where um, the president is running for a third time. And there are fears that um, Ivory Coast can disintegrate into another round of killings like the last election 10 years ago. And I remember that one because Drogba had to intervene. <laughs> Um, and obviously football having um, a huge impact on West African lives. But it begs the question as to where is it okay as a black person to just be able to survive in peace? If you're in Canada, you can be minding your damn business. The police will kill you. This is Canada. We're talking about Canada. We're not talking about the US. We're talking about Canada. Canada is where this happened. Where someone was minding his business at the coffee shop. Now, I'm sure he was trying to toast babes. Cool. But is that reason to die? Now, again, don't get me wrong. There's an alleged situation where he was groping people. We don't know for sure because obviously now he's not even had the opportunity to clear his name or even fight that battle. He got killed. You are in Nigeria. Mind your damn business and the police can just kill you because you look young. You look like you have money. You look like something. You can be killed. Okay, cool. You've escaped SARS. Mind your business. Okay, in fact, I don't even like this. Let me go and protest. The army steps in and shoots you. You are in a country, elections are happening, you can be killed. You are in a country, you have resources, other people are going to pillage it. Where can you go? You can't go to Europe because it's racist as shit. Can't go to the US because there's Donald Trump. I mean, even before Donald Trump, there's just the KKK, there's just people with guns, there are people that don't like black people. It's just... Okay, so you come to Canada, I mean, there's some semblance of normalcy, sure. It is somehow, because, like, so where do you go? Like, we're not, you're not even asking, okay, let me even worry about healthcare, because healthcare is a, is a different issue. Like, it's really for black people. Healthcare is a different issue. You're not asking, okay, give me good schools, because black people just have the shittiest of the shittiest schools. It's, it just is. You're not asking about, okay, give me, pay me well. Like, let me just have a good job. No, you're going to have to do some, you know, run-of-the-mill garbage, right? Man. 
So where do you go? Like what? It's tough, man. It's tough. It's just tough. I know it's a difficult week for a lot of us, um, friends, families. Um, I know it's a really difficult, difficult week. But I want just stay strong, guys. Stay strong. Um, I know we'll regroup and figure out where we go from here because obviously constant protesting is going on. It's been going on for weeks, days at this point. I don't know where we go from here, but at this point, just, you know, stay strong, guys, because it's not over. And on that note, it's been real. Yeah, just 